Hey everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. We're going to continue our march through Luke's gospel as we get closer and closer to Christmas. This is Luke 17. I'm going to read uh, just a few verses, verses 11 through 19. Uh, This is a part of our daily office, daily lectionary readings, if you're following along in the Book of Common Prayer. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region of Samaria and Galilee. As they entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I thank you for the Bible. Thank you, God, for the fact that Jesus, there was something about you that would cause a leper, 10 lepers, to cry out to you, believing you could do something for them. You would speak to the brokenness. I pray that you would, uh, through your word today, as we think about it together, that you would speak to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love this story. Um, Mainly because, well, I love it for a lot of reasons, and I'll get into some of those. Um, But I love the fact that it happens, uh, this moment, this miracle happens in an in-between place. Uh, We're told that Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem, so we know that that's the cross. He's moving to the cross. His mission is clear, but there's work to do along the way. And so Jesus is actually between Samaria and Galilee. He's headed somewhere, and in the in-between place, Jesus shows up and works. And it's so cool to me. These two 10 lepers uh, in this out of the way place approach Jesus. They recognize him, they come near to him, but they maintain their distance. And if you know anything about leprosy in the ancient world, they're just quite literally following the rules. They're drawn to him, but they know that they have to stay away. Otherwise, they risk contaminating those who don't have leprosy. Uh, These people, these 10 had learned to live apart. Uh, They'd learned to to protect other people from themselves, which is just so hard. Uh, Some of us can identify in one way or another with feeling cut off, feeling like we've lived apart, um, that we would be too much for people. These these 10 lepers had lost so much. They lost not just their wholeness in their body. This was not just about itchy, flaky skin. This was not just about spots or boils. To, to be leprous in the ancient world was to lose everything, was to lose your family, your ability to uh, be touched, to enjoin with others and worship, friendship, uh, meal sharing. Uh, culture dictated that these people had to keep a distance from themselves, that from other people. They had to live all by themselves. And so they shout. Rather than come close to him, they shout. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I just think it's so important that that they were following the rules, even though they were drawn to Jesus and they shout master. Every single time that word master is used in Luke's gospel, it's used to speak to an expectation on the part of the speaker of authority and power on the part of Jesus. And so when they say master, they're saying you have power. These 10 outsiders believe that Jesus could have something to say about their lives, about their circumstances. And I believe that as we look at Jesus, we are invited to cultivate an expectation that he has something to say about our lived experience, about our circumstances.
that God doesn't just want us to believe certain things as in doctrinal truth. He wants us to believe that he can intervene and will intervene in our day-to-day life, that he has something to say about our life. And in this case, they believe that he had something to say about um, healing, about reconciliation, about restoration. And I just think that too often we um, don't hold out hope for healing and reconciliation and restoration. And I think we should. This has been tested in my own life over the last few years. There were moments, critical moments in my own journey where I was confronted with whether or not I was going to believe that God could heal hurts that were deep and powerful, whether he could restore places of loss that felt really painful. And the reality for me, and I think this is probably true for all of us, is that parts of me believed that God could do whatever he said he would do, and other parts of me weren't so sure. I think that's true for us all the time. We rarely ever believe one thing, period. We're a mixed bag. There are parts of you that really have trust and confidence that God might heal a particular hurt or relationship or circumstance. And then there are other parts of you that probably feel pretty darn cynical. I know that's true for me, and I think that's true in general. So what does Jesus do when they show up and they call out to him? In this moment, he doesn't touch them. He doesn't sit down and share a meal with them. He doesn't tell them to come and enter into close proximate space. He says, I want you to turn around and go show yourselves to the priest. At the time that Jesus said these words, for someone to go to the priest, they would only go if they had leprosy, if they suspected that they were no longer leprous. It was like the common way forward. If you felt like your issue had resolved itself, you would go to the priest and the priest would confirm it. And then the priest would inspect you and give you your life back. Jesus basically says, I want you to begin to behave as if I have done what you long for me to do before you have evidence that I've done it. He doesn't lay hands on them. He invites them to respond with faith by doing what he says. Go. And I can tell you this is exactly the way my life began its process of healing and restoration. The Lord invited me to begin to live every day as if he were working, even when I wasn't entirely sure that he was working. So what does that look like for you right now? Where's the Lord inviting you to make conscious choices about your life, about faith, about fidelity, even if your circumstances are telling you something very different. I believe the Lord wants us to have our lives back, and he asks us to participate oftentimes before we have hard data that our life has been given back to us. Will you live as if what God would say to you were good and true and powerful even before you experience all the data? I believe that there's an invitation for us to step out. So he does this for all 10 of them. And I don't know when the healing happened, but we're told all 10 were healed. But only one comes back. And this one fellow comes back. He does three things as he returns. And I think this is actually what he asked for each and every one of us. He asks us to praise God, to fall down in front of him, which is to worship him and to thank him. So he comes back and he thanks him. And Jesus says, where are the other nine? And I have no idea why the other nine didn't come back. I just know that I want to be one of the ones that does return 
and thank God and worship God and praise God. So today, as you step into your day or wherever it is you are right now, I want to ask you, where is God inviting you to live as if his word over you around wholeness and healing were true, even if your circumstances do not yet tell you that it's true? What does faith look like for you? God bless you.